This is Cinema and the Psyche, Episode 3. I'm Matthew Morreale, an independent filmmaker. It's a beautiful day in Virginia. Blue sky, nice clouds, great temperature. I'm on this bike path, um, so bikes may be speeding by every now and again. In any case, this is Episode 3. This episode is about ideas. I thought speaking about ideas would be interesting as it's a subject that is fundamental to, well, life in general, you know, our lives in general, the ideas we hold, um, but specifically to the filmmaking process and to, for the audience who leave, not with the film, but with the ideas conveyed through the film. Um, they may leave also with emotions, Obviously, hopefully, you know, great cinema hits on, emotion, on the emotional level. But they're certainly leaving with ideas. Some conscious, many unconscious. Um, so for the audience, ideas are important. Also for you as an audience member, it's important to understand um, or to be aware of the nature of ideas, the power of ideas, and how they're delivered so you can see more clearly, um, you know, what you're taking in. Certainly, as the beginning of the process, ideas are highly relevant. Looking at a blank page <laughs> to write a screenplay is pretty intimidating, I guess, because of our, I don't know, our lack of confidence in the free-flowing nature of ideas. Or maybe we're worried about our ideas are not good enough. Um, for what? I don't know. I guess we're trying to impress somebody. But the ability to allow ideas to free flow. One thing I found in my own screenwriting, and I think it's a general idea, probably among writers. I can't imagine another way to go about it is that you simply have to not judge the ideas on your first draft as they come out. You simply have to write. I spent a long time editing my ideas during the first draft of whatever writing I'm doing, and it's impossible to move forward. I wouldn't consider myself, you know, a career writer in the sense that it's not something I particularly enjoy doing. I do write my own screenplays because I'm interested in my ideas and I don't find the ideas that I wish to work on creatively um, in too many other places. So I'm pretty much forced to write my own screenplays. But it's a great space to be in to 
figure out how to get into the and and cultivate that free flowing of ideas, a space that you get into. You simply have to lower your, you know, analytical, rational, you know, logical mind and you just open up to some other type of way of thinking and you just let things come. And when you get into that space, often you're delighted by, or, you know, when things are going well, you're delighted by what comes. It's a surprise. And if you are primed for it, which I'm going to discuss later a little bit, soon here, when you're primed for it and you are immersed as a life habit, when you have habituated the immersion on a certain topic, to get into that free-flowing space is um, very satisfying. I think for a writer or probably, I mean, this applies to any art form, what you, you really desire a certain quality, caliber, level of ideas to be coming forth. And I think one of the key aspects to increase your ability to bring forth quality ideas has to do with your diet of ideas, your idea diet. So I, I was thinking that pretty much in terms of the different aspects of the person, what you put in tends to be, to a large degree, what comes out. So if you have a junk food diet, the body is not going to respond with vibrant, dynamic strength. You know, junk food is going to make you the feel the equivalent, and your body's going to respond with the equivalent nature of what you put into it. So, that's just an example, but just briefly, I think diet is highly important for the creative person. I guess there's an idea that creative people are have a the best creative people or people that are somehow suffering and abusing some form of intoxication or whatever, whatever, whatever. There's this kind of propaganda around. Um, I think the best flowing of ideas and the best use of your artistic tools are going to come when you as an individual are functioning at your best. And therefore, health is vital. And, and that means diet as well. You know, I think life comes with enough hardships that as artists we don't need to you know create extra ones for inspiration I think we're all getting enough hardships in our day-to-day -day experience uh, to take inspiration from what we really want is honest honesty I think in artistic expression and that seems like a hard task to achieve to bring forth honest ideas from the depths of the psyche. So anyway, going back to diet, there is on whatever level of the individual you're talking about. So if we're talking about thoughts or ideas, then 
what's highly relevant for the type of ideas that come out when we get in that free-flowing space are the types of ideas that we've been putting in. So in that sense, we really need to get control of the information we take in. Now, to get control over the information we're taking in, the ideas we're taking in, uh, I think this requires a deeper analysis than most people have done. Certainly, the people I come across are quite unaware of the flowing of ideas. Uh, they're unaware of the power of ideas. Probably being unaware of the power of ideas makes you complacent and think it's, you know, this is not such an important topic. But ideas can hold, you know, entire societies for millennia. Okay? And the idea doesn't even have to be legit. It just has to be emotionally backed. The idea can just be taught generationally. Pretty much, I mean, if, if your parents teach you an idea and it's reflected a little bit from the outside, that's pretty much a lifetime spent, you know, taking that idea seriously. And taking that idea seriously also means perceiving reality through those lenses. So when we are seeing reality in a certain way, um, our, what we perceive to be opportunities, or basically everything is interpreted through those lenses and therefore there's a, a large amount of information that we not only don't take seriously but we don't even see because we're busy you know con you know set that only a certain paradigm uh, is real and so other paradigms don't even, sometimes we don't even perceive. A lot of times we don't even perceive it to analyze it and choose because we're set. So it's important to um, get control of, at the very least, begin to perceive um, the ideas we're taking in. So obviously conscious ideas are easy to spot you know, because we're conscious of it. Um, even so, although ideas are conscious, this doesn't make them worth, you know, allowing in, dwelling on, spending time with. Now, as artists, if we have a particular uh, message, let's say, or just a particular, even a style particular ideas that we wish to, you know, be the focal point, the center point of our artistic expression, that's, then it's imperative that we expose ourselves really only to that quality caliber uh, of idea. What I'm suggesting is, at least in terms of conscious the conscious aspect of ideas, that the, the ideas that we focus on end up being a large part of our internal library, which is referenced 
when we get in a space, a free-flowing space of bringing forth ideas. Okay, so this is just conscious ideas. I think far more powerful and far more relevant and far more important to get to grips with are those ideas that are being conveyed directly to our subconscious, bypassing our, you know, analytical mind, you know, the ideas that we don't really see, actually. So, there is marketing or commercials. The power of commercials really lie in the information, in the ideas that enter our subconscious without our conscious mind being aware of that process. You're already put in a little bit of a trance state because that's the power of looking at a screen. And you see that a certain brand of deodorant causes flocks of beautiful women to, you know, be desiring you like mad. The unconscious mind is absorbing that information and when you're in the aisle at the at the supermarket or whatever, um, you reach for when you reach for a certain brand, you're not thinking rationally. I mean, you'd be absurd if you did. That you know, this deodorant is going to make me so much more attractive to so many people. Nevertheless, you're convinced that this is the deodorant for you. Commercials are very much based on associating two ideas within your mind that wouldn't have been associated otherwise. So, being very attractive to deodorant. Okay, so they're associating these two ideas. Um, in editing, the power, a, a big portion of the power of movies is associating two ideas that wouldn't have been associated before. The association of two ideas, really the, the synthesis of these two ideas is going to be happening largely unconscious, especially if you're looking at a screen in somewhat of a hypnotized state. So there is hardcore marketing and commercials that are depositing covert ideas into your subconscious, that's just one aspect, you know. There is government propaganda or propaganda coming, well, from media. Um, not only commercials, but whole ideologies uh, being propagated through our major institutions. Um, associating ideas that simply wouldn't have been associated otherwise and don't need to correspond to the reality. So an institution can, you know, connect themselves with ideas. I mean, Apple had a... I loved that Apple commercial. Uh, the, the original, you know, Think Different commercials, I think, is what they were. So Apple, previously, in the past, has associating themselves with great, great minds who were not associated with Apple. Right, but be, they trigger, they trigger whole idea sets within ourselves that are, you know, very inspiring and enlightening and enlivening, 
and they attach Apple to it. Now, Apple, I, I like Apple. I use an Apple Mac, and I, I think it's a great computer. But the associating of Apple with these great personalities through history, um, you know, they don't correspond to one another. But Apple's doing it. We're doing it. Okay, so a lot of this is happening unconsciously. So all I'm getting at really here is that if we care about the nature, the quality, the caliber, the power of ideas that we are going to be able to bring forth, then we have to. There is no alternative. We have to get complete control over the input of ideas, our diet of ideas. Um, for example, in my own life, uh, I don't watch TV. I don't like TV. I don't, the episodic nature of it, the, the episodic writing feels like manipulative type of writing. I don't like it in any case. Um, the constant commercials, I mean, of course you can watch episodes now through Netflix or maybe there's some channels that don't show commercials. I don't know because I'm not interested. Um, my diet is purely cinema. Okay, so that's a, a choice. And I have so many people telling me, oh, but television's so good now. There's so many great series. The fact is, is I don't want television as part of my internal reference library. Um, when I do watch it, I mean, when I do watch it, when I'm around family, um, sometimes I'll, as an analytical experiment, I'll sit down with them and watch a little TV. But um, in general, I mean, they do things on TV like put laugh tracks with the dialogue. I mean, seriously. Or, you know, every two seconds they're going to 15 commercials, you know. I don't want to see a single commercial or especially hear a single commercial and I don't ever want to hear laugh tracks and the quality of the dialogue is... Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't rate it at all. You know, I understand some writers, a lot of actors, a lot of previous film-heavy actors are on TV. I think it's probably just because that's where the paycheck is and they've got a lifestyle to uphold. In any case, the, my point being is I've chosen my diet of cinema and I'm not going to adulterate it with TV, for example. Or in music, my interest in music. I'm interested in, really, I'm only interested in listening to the pioneers or innovators in whatever various genre, genre we're talking about. So, I want to be influenced by the ideas of innovators. And I simply don't listen, I don't want to listen to other stuff because... I'm aware of how the consciousness can shift through exposure to ideas, okay? And it does, and we see it all the time. I mean, this is also just a general life skill. If you wish to form your life 
in a certain way. If you want to, you know, stop living by consequence and letting external forces direct you here and there, if you want to take control of this process, it becomes very obvious that you have to get control over the ideas you associate with, the people you associate with. You know, you have to get control of your association. Not only people, but all types of association, things that you associate with. You have to get control of it. You become what you associate with. It's just a natural, just kind of a natural flow of events. When I was younger, I didn't drink beer, and then I was hanging out with people who did. And eventually, even though I thought it tasted bad, uh, eventually I started drinking it. And that was due to association. I see it. You know, the same thing. Luckily, I didn't take up smoking tobacco, but I certainly gave it a go due to association. I could never inhale tobacco anyway, so it wasn't going to be a very drawn-out attempt to adopt. But in any case, you get my point. Association is vital. And so as creative artists, our, what we associate with is important for our art, for our expression, because what we associate with tends to be what comes out when we get into that free-flowing place. Another interesting aspect of ideas, I believe, is that they appear to be existing on a plane all their own. You know, idea thoughts are things. You've probably heard that before. They certainly are things. Where are they existing, though, right? So, for example, you have a book which is made of paper and ink. Okay, where are the ideas? You can put it under a microscope and search it. You're not going to find the ideas. The ideas are not in the physical makeup of the book. Uh, the book is a type of symbol set. So again, referencing back to the New Thought Movement. I, I like the New Thought Movement. I'm not like a follower of the New Thought Movement from the early 1900s. I like it because it's like a modern interpretation of some ancient established ideas. So for example, I think I brought up the Bhagavad Gita in a previous podcast where it talks about the hard material body, which is all science today recognizes. They only recognize the hard material body, biology, chemistry. Everything has to be interpreted down to the brain and its interconnections, you know, that can be studied empirically. Okay, but the Bhagavad Gita talks about a subtle body where its major aspects are mind, intelligence, and a type of false identity. So Bhagavad Gita talks about this as being also material. So this is also a material energy, the mind, the in intellect, this false identity we've placed over top of original consciousness. Like I showed in my Psyche podcast, the evidence backs it up. Okay, just because science... Just because the whole world holds an idea doesn't make it right. 
So we really need to, as I mentioned in that podcast, back off from just following the herd of ideas and look at the evidence around us and make up our own minds. Okay, I went into that in that podcast. So if this is an issue for you, maybe just look at a reference or two that I put at the bottom of that podcast or check that out. Okay, so I'm interested in the way the New Thought Movement condensed these ancient ideas, and they talk about the thought world. You have Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. You know, the idea that thoughts are things, powerful things. And in fact, pretty much everything around you, apart from nature, began as an idea. An idea. It wasn't in existence except as a thought. Action put behind that thought caused the manifestation of that thing. So, what I find interesting is there appears to be a bit of a hierarchy of elements, and the hard material elements, the body, biology, chemistry, and these hard sciences, the only aspects that modern science recognize, all of this appears to be on the bottom-most level. Ideas appear to be, thoughts and ideas appear to be of a more refined nature, and in fact a more powerful nature, um, because as I said before, an idea can direct the course of an entire world society, certainly at this point, for hundreds of years. An idea, okay, ideas. They can redirect this hard material energy largely at will, and so the power behind ideas seems to be more subtle. It's, it's more difficult to work with um, ideas this is, you know, one of the reasons I'm doing the podcast, because it's an interesting aspect that is not obvious or easy to deal with, really. So coupled with this is another idea I find interesting, is Carl Jung's description of the internal object. Okay, so I'm not a specialist in Carl Jung. I actually don't really care much for academic understandings of really anything. I'm more interested in looking at ideas, analyzing ideas, comparing them with my personal experience in life, making up my own mind, developing my own ideas. Okay, but he mentions this internal object, and although I think they're relating this to our relationships with our parents or this thing or that thing, I don't know, but what's very I find very interesting about it is that there is an internal object corresponding with external objects. And so if you have, let's say, a tree, um, there is the external phenomenon, whatever that might be. You know, quantum physics has some interesting stuff to say about what it is. But in any case, we're seeing an external tree. Okay, but if we want to discuss it, think about it, or talk about it, what we're actually doing 
is referencing an, the internal, our internal version of that tree. And so this applies really across the board that in fact what we're doing when we are looking at the world around us is we're actually creating or has been created and we're building on that an internal version of the world and that's what we contemplate. So, so in that sense, you know, not only are my words symbols for ideas, just like I mentioned the book made of paper and ink, the same with my speaking to you. Uh, the ideas are separate from the words and the sound vibration conveying those ideas to you. So the words in the book, they're carriers of ideas. Okay, so when you take into account the internal object of Carl Jung's design, you see that in fact the entire manifestation around us is carrying ideas. They're carriers of ideas. So it's almost like three, a three-dimensional symbol set. Okay, so, and why this is so interesting and relevant is because we're in control of the internal ideas that are associated with the external phenomenon. So the external manifestation is not the meaning or the ideas corresponding to them. It's just a symbol set. Okay, so before I get too esoteric, I think I'll stop there for this episode. Thanks for listening. Cinemanthepsyche.com is the website. My email is matt, M-A-T-T, at cinemanthepsyche.com. Be good to hear from you, criticisms, ideas, questions. We're on the iTunes store. Of course, it will benefit the podcast if anyone listening is enjoying it and writes a review. It would be good to get some interaction if you enjoy it. Thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to formulating the next episode. And until then.